Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Top of the Table. Yes, I'm wearing a Spain jersey before anybody says anything. Uh, this is actually an advertisement for our Swap of the Table program, which ends uh, which ends tonight at midnight Pacific time. So there's that little quick little plug. Uh, joining me, as you can see, Christopher Ballard here from Connecticut, joining us newly this week, Mr. Peter Welton, who has his speakers on live from Dallas, Texas. Hey Pete. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I got too many different audio going on here. It's all right. I'm so confused. It's all right. Uh, yes, uh, Nick, I am using a professional mic, but I'm also using uh, my professional headphones, as you can see here. Yeah, Spider-Man. Um. Power of Craigslist. I said you have a microphone. The sound might be better, but the uh, quality—the quality of the sound is better, but the quality of show is not. Yeah, it just means that we can hear your nonsense in better quality. Right? Yeah, you get. Yeah, everybody knows the jokes here. Yeah. Um. Couple things to to talk about this week. Um, fresh on everybody's mind is the uh, Euro final today. Spain Spain winning four zero over Italy. Thoughts on that, guys? Well, it was it was kind of ruined once uh, Thiago Motta got injured and they didn't have a sub to bring in. I mean, I think Spain were probably going to win anyway, but you know they were already two 0 up at the time. But as soon as that player had to go off and Italy were a man down for I think almost half an hour, they were just in protect what they have kind of mode and not make a fool of themselves. Um, at least Spain played better in the first half than they have done for the rest of the tournament. And uh, Fernando Torres getting the golden boot with three assists, with three goals and an assist in fewer minutes than Mario Gomez. It just goes to show you that golden boots don't mean a whole amount, really. I mean, two of those goals were against Ireland, and the other one was when they were already tuned up in the final with ten minutes to play. I, so. I think Pete had a goal and assist versus Ireland. Huh. He just chimes in with a chuckle. Um, Fernando Torres came on very late. I'm lost. It's all right. So are we. Uh, Fernando Torres came on very late with a goal and an assist. Um, yeah, does he want out of Chelsea still, do you think? No, I think he'll stay. Drop is gone. Um, I think Chelsea have put enough money in that particular Torres-shaped hole to mean that they're going to try and play him Next year, I know they've signed um, Eden Hazard from Lille, who he seemed to think he's the greatest player ever. Um, whether or not he is remains to be seen, but I don't think that anyone's going to really be interested in paying Chelsea the kind of money that would be required to see him leave. What does that tell you about Spain that he's not even in their starting eleven? I think it just shows that they don't really care about strikers. I mean, after Villa, <laughs> you know, they had Negredo, they had. Uh, I think they took Santi Cazorla with them. They took Torres. Um, but it got to stay, the, the kind of football they play, they almost don't need a striker because all of their game is in midfield. So you saw again in the game against Italy, the first game against Italy, where their goal came about as a, as a result of Fabregas springing from midfield. And it's that kind of movement that means that they don't necessarily need a striker. Whether or not you think that makes them the most exciting team to watch in the world is another debate, which I'm sure has been had 
but this is thousands of so times, they repeat but... they repeat as Euro champs, and that those victories bookend a World Cup final. Um, so I, I would say that's a, a fairly uh, fairly strong dynasty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one's ever done the the three major tournaments in a row. Um, a couple of teams have done two, you know, done a European and a a world. I think France in '98 and 2000, and then West Germany back in '70. Two and seventy-four, I think, but in both of those, um, the World Cup was held in those countries. So you could kind of put an asterisk next to both of those as well. Um, I don't think there's much doubt that Spain are one of the best teams ever to grace the international stage. Um, whether or not that means a whole lot, given the rise of club football in the past ten or fifteen years, is unclear. But you know, even I mean, I, I've been one of the people banging the Spain is boring to watch from for the past two weeks, but you can't deny they're a brilliant, brilliant football team. Well, I don't think anybody else on Twitter said that Spain is boring to watch, so. No, I know. I, it was just me, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think with, with Spain, it's like watching... Um, it's like being in a building that's sterile and brand new. Everything is fantastic, but it's not very interesting. The technical side... That Spain have you can admire them, but without necessarily getting thrilled by the style of play that they have. It's a lot like this show. Hey Pete, are you still with us? Yeah. Okay. Time Warner is giving me a rectal exam right now, so. Oh well, we all get to watch. It's usually extra. I pay extra for that. It's yeah, maybe I'm going to the wrong places. (laughs) Um, For those of you that are not familiar with Pete, um, Pete, give a quick plug for for your website. So uh, I have a, a one that's called I've Got the News.net, which is kind of a weird news thing. And I also occasionally write soccer-oriented stuff for uh, BuzzCarrick's ThirdDigger.net, which I've done for quite some time. But the um, the I've Got the News is the funnier one. <laughs> the third de- yeah. the third degree is the sadder one. <laughs> third degree is very sad, especially this season. I've Got the News has um, weird stuff on it. Yes. And and the and the the running gag is it happened in Florida. Yes, because all weird things happen in Florida. That's true. Um, uh, let's uh, let's move on from the Euro. Oh, most surprising team from the Euros, very quickly. Italy. Um, Italy, yes, I agree. Holland, but for the wrong reasons. Well, oh, good point. Well, the Netherlands, I should say. Yep, and and Van Marwijk uh, quit last week, so. Yeah, I think it was a case of if he didn't jump, he was going to get shoved with lead weights tied to his feet. Yes. So, um, so uh, um, um, let's. Go. I mean, they were in a tough group. You can't deny that. Right, but still. Yeah, still. I thought I thought Italy played way, way better than they. I think they went way much farther than they should have. They only played England. Well, that's true. But Sarah's not here, so we can't really pile that on. Well, Spain, Spain theoretically was, uh, you know, a Casillas save with not even making it to the next round. Don't forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that final group game, they could have they could have gone out, and it took a PK to get to the final. Gerard? No, I'm no, I mean they had to they had to win in in, in PKs to get to the. Uh, I know. I, I just like the PK. I know. Yeah. I know they are, England is cursed by the PK. Yes. Um. So two weeks ago, we'll switch gears here. Mr. Ballard was in uh, Montreal for the opening of the States Pudo, and Chris and I had a chance to to chat offline on wind on Thursday night. 
and um, to just let's tell kind of tell them what you told me about your thoughts about the stadium and and the attendance. Well, I thought it was issues. It's much more fit for purpose than the Olympic Stadium. The Olympic Stadium's right behind Stade Stupudo. Um and even disregarding the, the issues they had with the pitch, having a sixty thousand seat stadium for MLS side was kind of pointless. Um, I think the game I went to, they got 18,000 capacity. It's supposed to be just over 20,000. Since then, the attendances have been mediocre, I think twelve and 13,000. I actually don't know what they got during midweek against Toronto. Um, but given the there, result, Chris, that's pretty much the season's worth of average for FC Dallas. So. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I don't even that was what I told poking fun at Dallas now because it's like kicking a puppy. I mean, it's just sad. Yeah, but whoever, um, but whoever kicks the puppy is going to end up being injured for six weeks. <laughs> well, that, that's true. I, you know, and, and Montreal, in their first game, I saw them play Seattle, and they were really good. Uh, Bernier scored a goal, set up three goals. Um, but since then, they've been not brilliant. Um, they lost 3-0 at home to Toronto, of all teams, the other day. Um, and I don't know. I'm not entirely sure why their attendances are so bad. Um, when I was up there, I was able to spend some time with uh, Giovanni Sardo, who's a hardcore Montreal fan, and he's our correspondent on Around the League. And he seems to think that because um, there aren't sufficient number of French Canadians on the team, the local Montreal public aren't going to come out to support them. Um, I don't know how true that is. They have a couple of French Canadians. Benier is one of them. Um, but I don't think there even are 11 French Canadian footballers still playing. So I think trying to get a full squad of them is, is, is unlikely to happen. Um, if they were to start winning again and get towards a playoff at the end of the season, they'd probably end up getting their attendances up there again. But it's um, it's disappointing. And if you look at Houston as well, I don't know if you saw the Houston game yesterday. I don't know what their official attendance was down there, but... There looked to be plenty of empty seats there as well, as there have been since they opened. Yeah, I was going to say, their opener, they even had empty seats. Yeah, I mean, it was the mythical sellout, but, you know, I, I tend not to take any notice of the first game of a stadium being open because you'd expect it to be close to full. But their attendances have been uh, substandard, I think, since then. Although, playing in Houston in the middle of the afternoon doesn't strike me as a lot of fun, so maybe people don't want to come out and watch that. Well, it's, well it's also it's an interesting conversation because everybody complains about Dallas' stadium being out in the you know suburbs. Houston's is right next door to downtown, and their big problem, frankly, is is that parking at that new stadium is brutal um, and limited and very expensive. So lots of people have been complaining about that for a while. So if it's not one thing, it's another, right, boys? That's true. Well, yeah, I mean, you're never going to please everybody, even at um, New York Red Bulls, where you know they still get pretty good attendances. The parking there is, there's not so much that it's expensive. I think it costs you like 10 or $12, which isn't a huge amount. It's the fact that it's so far away. There's very little parking on the, on the site. So you're probably having to walk 15 minutes from one of the town-owned uh, parking, not garage, it's just a lot. Oh, wow. Um, and there's, you know, there's not really a huge tailgating thing there, so people tend not to arrive early anyway. Um, and it's a shame because the stadium that they have in, you know, in in Harrison is brilliant. I don't know if you've got to go there, but it's really nice. And they could do with getting full, you know, full, full stadium every week because when it is, you know, above twenty five thousand, the atmosphere there is terrific. And that's one of the things that Hank has mentioned. Uh, Pete Hank is our 
uh, other host, one of our other hosts, and he lives in Boston. Huge Revs fan, and he talks about what they're trying to develop around that. You know, they're playing in a football stadium, and there's one road to get in. Parking is okay, but it's kind of the same thing. It's like there's they're in a 60,000, 70,000-seat football stadium, and it's kind of hard to fill that. But the crafts don't care. No, because they have a tenant for their huge cavern. You know, I think that they're not going to move the team themselves. They'll make noises about, oh, yeah, we're looking to find a site closer to the town, but I don't think they're likely to do it because they have that stadium not being used all summer. So even if the Revolution show up with 13,000, 14,000 crowds, that's putting money in their pockets and paying off their presumably fairly large debts they've accrued on it. Well, let's talk about a full stadium last night in San Jose at Stanford Stadium. Uh, sold out 50000 for the California Classico as the world saw the undoing of David Beckham and also a great comeback by San Jose to win... Four to, four to three. It was a first off. It was a really terrific game to watch. I mean, when they, I noticed ESPN were hyping it all, all week, and I'm thinking, oh, terrific! It's going to be nil nil, and nothing's going to happen. But that was dispelled pretty quickly. It was a fun game to watch. I'm glad I wasn't either an LA or a San Jose fan because I'd been having palpitations every time the ball came near my end of the pitch. Right. But Beckham did seem to have a bit of a bit of a moment at the end there, didn't he? Uh, I think the technical term that I read was batshit crazy. That would be... I mean, I don't entirely know what his problem was. Um, Maybe it's a bit of displacement following his Olympic admission. I don't know. Right. Um, But it it seems... And Beckham is one of those guys who seems to get away with a lot anyway when it comes to shouting and bawling at referees and other players. Or dirty tackles. Right. Or dirty tackles or tackles that would have been late for the game the previous week, never mind this game. Um, it would be nice if MLS were to discipline him. I think it's unlikely because it's MLS and David Beckham, and they don't seem to ever have anything against each other. I would be sh- I would be shocked if he didn't get three games for that. Well, I don't know. You know, actually, Steve Davis over at Pro Soccer Talk wrote a really good article today talking about all the previous things that Beckham has gotten away with. Um, that when you compare equal th- other things that have happened equal to that or less than that, that got way worse. <laughs> suspensions and Beckham got away with it he may get a game or so who knows but it has been a bad week for Dave you know Tom Cruise has probably been calling him all week crying about his marital situation he didn't get to go to the Olympics and now he's lost in front of 50,000 people in front of San Jose after a spectacular free kick I might add it was yeah it was a great goal I mean it's one of those things that he's been doing for 15 years and I was watching it saying oh well Beckham's just gone done Beckham you know and it's one of those things you expect him to send the DVD in the mail to Stuart Pearce tomorrow morning, but I don't know what set him off at the end of the game. He was a bit chippy the whole game, which tends to be Beckham generally at the moment. Right. Um, but I don't know exactly if someone said something to him or kicked him, because all I saw him saw was him, people, him being dragged away by, I think, David Lopez. Oh uh, Well, Still, I think what happened was I think he thought San Jose was wasting time and the ref was letting them get away with it. And so he was frustrated, so he kicked the ball at the ref and the player that was down, rolling around. He kicked two balls at the ref. Yes, exactly. Because he has golden balls. Right. And then the second one landed. And it was from distance, so you got to give him credit. It was a pretty good shot. He <laughs> is pretty Actually, it was the guy on the ground, wasn't it? Was it Leonard? Yeah, it was Cronin. No, Cronin. Cronin, yeah. Um, yeah, but even after that, you know, after the game finished, he, he seemed to be 
on at somebody. I don't know. He, he was going after anybody or everybody. He went after uh, uh, Rosario. He went after Bingham. He went after um, Marvin Chavez. Uh, he was God, t- how much I miss Marvin Chavez, and I can't believe I'm saying that. I know. Uh, he was telling somebody to meet him in the parking lot, and anybody that on his, you know, any other teammate, Galaxy teammate that tried to either intervene or separate, he was uh, uh, very um, discordial to, or whatever the correct phrase is. Um, Rude. Yes. So you I think with that haircut and beard, all of his um, Galaxy teammates would be like all for one, one for all, wouldn't yeah, they? Exactly. And and I was going to mention Steve Davis' article there, Pete. That was right where I was going. Because Steve Davis just says, you know what? Rafa Marquez broke somebody's collarbone. Five games. Breck Shea put, a, put, a, put one in a linesman's crotch. Three games. Um, and then what's nothing's going to happen to Bex. Uh, maybe. I mean, who knows? Uh, you know, he was already going to take some games off uh, to go do Olympic stuff anyway. Um, even if he's not playing, he'll go just to represent... So it, it, he's been famously getting away on the field for just some of the most brutal tackles for the last five years yeah. or however many years it's been. So this, this would be, it would surprise me none to see him get away with a single game or no games at all. Well, he's already suspended for the next game. On yeah. the card that's game. true. Yes, he did already have – that's right. He has an accumulation suspension coming up. So, But he, he, so he, did, he did do I – think, I think he's, he's become uh, famous for two things. Uh, free kicks and going nose to nose, literally nose to nose with people and getting away with it. And that was kind of one of the things that started last night as he, you know, the second ball got fired in and landed. Cronin got up, and I was talking to somebody last night, and they made the remark, "You know what's going to happen is Cronin's going to get retroactively carded for um, for wasting time because he got up too quick." Yeah, and he's also going to get three games for the ball ricocheting off of him and hitting the ref. <laughs> I mean, I, I can kind of, I don't want to say I, I have sympathy for MLS's position, but I can kind of see their their issue where they have this player who's supposed to be the marquee player in the league, even now, and you've seen, you know, when they went to Montreal, LA, they got 60,000 in the O Stadium when they only got 20,000 the week before. So he is still a draw, um, and they don't want to kind of come down on him too hard because I think they're worried he's going to say, right, I'm leaving. But on the other hand, they've got to make it a level playing field. You know, as as Peter said, you have Marquez and Breck Shea and you have some other guys being suspended after the event for things that happened during the game. And I think that what happened after the game yesterday was much worse than some of the challenges that have been punished. Yes. Um, but that's I don't know whether he has a sense of entitlement about his position. Probably. Um, but at some point they have to say enough is enough. You know, you're out for three or four games or whatever, and you know, and they'll it, it's, it's, say, "Fine, it's all, I'm, you know what? I'm going over. I'm going for the Olympics. I'll so see you when I get back." Yeah, I, I actually think about. It, they might say, "Well, we're going to suspend you from July 27th for four games." Oh, that's helpful because that's when I'm leaving. Right. Which then probably wouldn't be any punishment at all. Because um, because they're in Dallas on the 28th, so that would be perfect timing. Yeah. Well, at least Dallas might have a chance of getting at least a point. Well, a point. Well, a goal. Well, (laughs) attendance. Well, if if Montreal gets nothing but French Canadian players, can we play them at least twice? (laughs) Yeah, it's. uh, Didn't you get? Who did you play with in midweek? Was it Montreal you played in? No, no, uh, no. It was. Who was it? 
Chivas, Chivas. maybe? Chivas. Hmm. Yeah, 1-1 one, one draw with Chivas. Yeah, I mean, it's Dallas... Because uh, we got a one Aguadilla lightning round out of it. Oh, you did? Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask you guys what you thought of Beckham being missed out of the Olympic squad. I know I, you probably don't care, but... No, I, 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 I was puzzled by it because I don't know who else they have that's going to provide... The, you know the dead ball and the and the set pieces. Well, I can kind of. But I'm also th- a complete idiot, so don't ask me. No, I, I was going to say because um, I've been listening to some of the talk radio in England, and they're apoplectic, as you can imagine, about Beckham being missed out, saying that he des- he deserves to be on there because he helped London get the Olympics in the first place. Well, I don't buy that. I mean, you don't get into the team because you were nice to some people. I mean, that's not the way to do it. Um, the overage players he's picked are gigs. Craig Bellamy and uh, Michael Richards. Michael Richards, not Michael. Right. Michael Richards. Yeah. Gig, gigs and Bellamy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think from a footballing perspective, I can kind of understand where Pierce is coming from. And I think people forget about Pierce is that this is a big job for him. I know a lot of guys in England and, and, and Britain are kind of like, oh, well, we're just going to have fun at the Olympics. It's no 23 tournament. But I think Stuart Pierce is, I, I rate it not being considered from the England job um, after being the under-21 guy, and then he wasn't even considered to go with the team to Euro 2012. They took Gary Neville instead. So I think if he's looking for an important job, a premiership you know, coaching job, he has to make a good job of the Olympic squad. And even though most people in England are you know, are treating it as kind of a novelty, having a what is supposed to be a GB squad, but in essence is just Wales and England, um, I think he feels the pressure because he wants to move up in his own career. I'm glad you agree. You yeah, you would know you would know more about what's going on over there than I would. And Pete smelling his finger. No, I'm growing <laughs> my David Beckham mustache. Oh, oh you, you have to do the chin thing as well. Sorry. Yeah, I mean I, I don't know. Yeah, and then they haven't even announced the rest of the squad. Easy there, Belzer. They uh yeah, they they said the three overage players are going to be Bellamy, Giggs, and, and Richards, but they haven't said the rest of the squad. And it's actually only an 18-man squad, I think, so, you know, it's not. Well, I think, he, I think his, uh, his post-game antics uh, outshadowed uh, a great game and a fantastic performance by San Jose. Absolutely. I mean, you know, they went one and up, I think, Lenhart, who... I'm kind of having, having to come around to as a guy because he's one of those guys you love to hate if he's not on your team, but he gets the job done. Um, and not only did he he score the first goal, the third, the equaliser just after half time came about because of a brilliant dummy by him where the ball, you know, it was a long ball and he left it for Cronin, um, which I, I don't think he really got enough credit for at the time. Um, it was just a brilliant game. Um, Kind of overshadowed by the Beckham antics towards the end, but it was a real seesaw of a game. You know, one one nil, and then two one, and three two, and oh, th- uh, three one and three two just before half time. So Goonies never say die, apparently, and they weren't kidding, were they? Exactly, and there was and there was a series of saves on both ends, and it wasn't just the great shot and the save; it was multiple saves where the goalie was down and back up uh, for rebounds and shots like that. Um, and, and give it up for the uh, for the San Jose mascot trying to break up the fight after the game. Oh, they looked like the Cookie Monster, didn't they? Yeah, 
Holding, yeah, hold, I saw that. Holding yeah. his poster board that said Sports Center is next and then trying to get in the middle and separate. Yeah, I, I was kind of hoping that Beckham would punch him. And that didn't even make the tease on Sports Center. Yeah. It's, um, and actually, you mentioned all of the saves and that kind of thing. You've got to give uh, Bingham some credit for coming in cold and doing well. Because yep. um, John Bush had his eyes swollen up very nicely. Anybody uh, start a Twitter account called John Bush's Puffy Eye? No. But they probably but, yeah, but I'm sure they will. Because that thing was awesome for the first half, by the yes. way. Yes. Yeah, it's it's. Um, and I liked how the trainers wrapped it, so they so they effectively wrapped it so low it, it shut his other eye, so he was sitting <laughs> on the bench, and like little sad Ray Charles. <laughs> I have to say that's the first time I've seen uh, not the first, but that's the that's uh, uh, one of the first times I've seen San Jose in a while, and I thought they. Look like a uh, a yacht type team. They just continue to fight and play very hard. Um, they're not the prettiest team whatsoever, but they do effectively know how to spread the field. And uh, again, I made this comment earlier: the addition of Marvin Chavez, who's a not a very good goal scorer, but has such pace and speed, um, is just really effective for them. And highlights just yet another reason why I should never trade. But yeah. um, I really enjoyed watching San Jose um, for what I saw last night. That that's a um, that's a, a nice, solid little team going on there. And to see it, 50, was there something else going on at that stadium? Was there legitimately 50,000 people there, there just le- for that one there match? There was legitimately 50,000 people for that one match. Wow, that's impressive. That's very impressive. Yep. I think when they when they finally get around to building their stadium, they're going to do well. I mean, Buck, I like Buckshaw because it reminds me of Plainmore, where Torquay play. But other than that, it's pretty run down and decrepit. I think the attendance or the capacity is... A shade over ten thousand, so a lot. You know, you're kind of thinking, well, where are these extra people coming from? You know, fifty. You know, five times the attendance at Stamford. Um, I hope that they, their stadium does take shape sooner rather than later. Um, I think we've had Robert Jonas talking about that before. Yeah, uh, they have all of the plans in place. They just have to break ground. I think. And that's one of those. Uh, I think that's a team that you that could convert um, casual fans or fans that are new to the game. Um, you, get, yeah. you get a guy like Chris Wondolowski, who was a reserve in Houston, and now all of a sudden, uh, I think last night was his 14th goal, on a phenomenal back heel. Um, you get, I especially enjoyed the celebration as well. Yes. Doing the high fives with the Army guys thought, and then saluting them. I thought that was nice. I thought that was awesome. Guys like, you know, guys like Lenhart. Um, Lenhart plays 65 minutes. When he comes out, who comes in? Alan Gordon. Yeah, the town bike. You know, I, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll Google it. Um, I think that's I think that's a team that you can uh, like the casual fan can get behind, and even even Dean, that uh, our friend that joins us from Manchester, he's an enormous uh, San Jose fan now. Yeah, they've scored a lot of goals. I mean, they concede quite a few, but they have scored a lot of goals. And it was you know going into the last ten minutes last night, you got to stage where you're almost expecting San Jose to score again. Yes, because that's what they've been doing so many times. You know, I think they've they've got. Something like 12 points from not winning positions in the last few minutes, which is just incredible, really. Um, I don't know whether it's fitness or spirit or a combination of the two, but whatever it is, the Alep's got his guys going right until the last minute, which is Cause it could have apparently been, quite difficult. When it was 3-1 on Donovan's goal, that could have very easily just been, you know, Don Meredith, turn out the lights. Um, yeah. And they, you know, and they came right back, and they, did, they didn't care. They didn't even... It wasn't even... Uh, like it almost wasn't even an issue. Yeah, I mean, I think was you know if they had got to half time still being three one down, you probably would have seen a different 
game, but then again, who can tell with these guys, really? It's just, I was just pleased that when ESPN picked up the game, and they've had it, they had it last week too with Seattle-Portland, they finally got decent games to watch. Right. Because some of the games they've picked up in the past have been really dire, and you can just imagine, you know, Joe the Plum is sitting at home saying, well, this game's stupid, nobody ever scores. And being able to have two uh, fairly heated rivalries back-to-back, um, yeah, yeah, and that I, helps. That helps build the audience. Yeah, it's a much more organic kind of rivalry than the than the Chivas uh, LA rivalry, which they call the Super Classico, right. which just seems ridiculous. I mean, I don't know where the Classico because no, came well, from, nobody buys average Classico. No, that's true. The Classic Air. Well, the Classic Air, yeah. But I just think with San Jose and LA, it's something that was a rivalry before they attached a name to it. Well, I don't think that is necessarily the case with Chivas. And Mark even told us, I think it was towards the beginning of the season, now there's a sponsor for the Classico. Oh, really? Like the Super Classico brought to you by, and he was like, when did that happen? Huh. Um, well, they have the Subway series in Match Yankees, didn't they? And that actually is sponsored by Subway. So. Well, yeah. Now it is. Yeah. Um, and, every, and I will back up uh, what Pete said about Marvin Chavez. Every game, as we sit there uh, and watch FC Dallas game, at one point, one of us will turn to the other and go, Marvin Chavez would not let that happen. Well, you know, I, I guess, is this an official seg? Yeah, there's nothing official here. The Fire. interesting thing about the Chavez deal is, is that Dallas had to trade him to make cap room space to sign um, Pettis. So um, I, I think that, you know, Dallas's larger problems are built around the fact that they got rid of a lot of other players, not just Chavez. Um, they hadn't gotten rid of two or three other people and some horrible decisions made last year, um, or if they had considered some other things going into the offseason, the Chavez probably wouldn't be that big as a um, uh, glaring issue for Dallas. But when you watch him play for San Jose, um, you see a lot of the things that I think they were hoping they were going to get out of Castillo, which they continue to get absolutely nothing out of other than just taking the ball all the way to the end line. Um, so, but, he's, uh, but he's fast all the way to the end line. The kid's stupid fast, um, but it's like, the, it's like a 14-year-old girl driving a Porsche. He just doesn't know what to do with it. He just is absolutely has no idea where to go with that speed. You know, he's 18 or 19 or whatever, so he'll get it eventually, but it's not helping Dallas. And now they really use both Chavez, and they really could continue to use um, Eric Alexander, who they traded away to Portland uh, last year for Jeremy Hall, of all people. Um, you know, uh, Alexander's an outstanding little player who I think would be helping Dallas tremendously this season if they still had him. And even to a lesser extent, Eric Avila. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think Eric Avila will ever be a MLS starting type player, but he was an okay bench player or better than okay bench player. Um, uh, but at least uh, Avila for for the trade ended up getting Mark, uh, Santos here, which helped a little bit for a little while. Uh, it, that trade made a little more sense. The Jeremy Hall for Eric Alexander trade made no sense whatsoever. No, I agree. And then uh, we brought they brought in uh, James Marceline as a trialist, in fact, you know, from Portland. Oh my God! I've never seen a midfield player uh, touch the ball less in ninety minutes in my entire life. <laughs> that guy's just got nothing. And and no and no subs. No. We have no we have no subs on the bench. Um 
no, not really. Uh, you know, the team's roster is decimated with injuries, but they also just didn't make a lot of really good decisions in the offseason to uh, you know, provide backups. I mean, they started the season not only without David Ferreira, but they were starting the season with two other holding midfielders that were coming off knee surgeries, one of which was 36 and coming off his third knee surgery. So uh, a lot of bad decisions made there. Hey, uh, How safe do you think Shellis Hyman is? Oh, I think he's terribly safe. He, his relationship with the Hunt family is uh, uh, like blood. He's literally a family member. They've tried. They tried forever to get him to come over and coach the team, uh, and were finally successful several years ago. And um, they just um, struggled mightily. Uh, and I and I said when they signed him at the particular time that everybody needs to be prepared that no matter how bad this team gets, they will not fire him until his contract runs out because. Uh, it, their relationship with him is that type. That type. Clark played for Hyman at SMU back when he was in college. So, oh, wow. Yeah, because I think a lot of other teams would have already let him go, except for Portland, obviously, because apparently they Spencer had some pictures of Merritt Paulson with a goat or something. Because there's no way he should still be in a job. Um, you know, I I don't think that Hyman is a bad coach. I think he does a lot of things really well. And frankly, I think um, a lot of he should get a lot of credit for um, making this team as good as it was when it went to the MLS Cup and and having this team play as well as it did after Ferreira went down last year. His problem was is that he had a roster that was not prepared to play in Champions League and just ran his players into the ground. Yep. Um, uh, and then he got saddled with a really weird relationship with Barry Gorman as a technical director who was signing players, who's the one that did the, you know, the Jeremy Hall, Eric Alexander trade, um, and some others that just went horribly wrong. Uh, so I'm not sure Hyman has, and, and, and in fairness, all the injuries this year have, haven't been like hamstring injuries or muscle pulls. They've all been kicks or concussions and, uh, so it's it's not a training issue or a fitness issue. It's a lot of it is just terribly bad luck. Just a lot of the uh, things they had in place to back up in case things went wrong just weren't put in uh, weren't done correctly. I know. think we calculated they played what fourteen extra games last year as part of Champions League. I think that's right. Yeah, and they just weren't prepared for that. I think a lot of teams just aren't. You know, I, I'm sure everybody realizes that that the Champions League thing uh, for a team for the first time isn't as fun as as it could be. So, and, and being the first U.S. team to win in Mexico is, I mean, that set the bar incredibly high. And then for the team to essentially flame out after that, it brought both uh, both ends of the spectrum. Uh, you know, everybody's oh, this is so great. Look what they've done. They're the first team to do this. Followed by. Oh, uh, look what they did. No, it was all a, a fluke. Yeah, I mean, I, I think their season's uh, uh, predictably over at this point. I don't know how they get back in the playoff race, but Ferreira theoretically, or at least reportedly, is going to be on the bench Wednesday for the July 4th game and probably will get some minutes. It'll be interesting to see where, go, where that goes. The other big brewing story is that I think don't be surprised if we find out by the end of the season that Ugo Emelu has to retire from the sport. Um, he... Uh, uh, is reporting that he is having concussion-like sy- sy- symptoms just walking around his house uh, doing the laundry and stuff. So, um, uh, you know, luckily they've got hedges and pertus back there to, to back up and are playing quite well, frankly. But uh, it would be a really sad story to see Ugo have to hang it up. Especially, yeah, especially that way for a guy that's played so well and, and done so much. It means so much to Mark, who is not joining us. I was going to say Mark Villa might never recover. Uh, Pete, Mark Villa is one of our other hosts, lives in L.A., huge Galaxy fan, enormous, 
enormous Ugo fan, so much to the point that he's asked me to go get an FC Dallas jersey personalized with Ugo's name and number for Ugo to sign it. Um, whenever Alexi Lalas was on the show, it was there was a 10-minute discussion of why did you trade Ugo Himmel? <laughs> so that, that's the, the build-up to that. Nice. Um, um, Hedges has played incredibly well. And then George John is should be back training from his concussion-like symptoms. Do you does George John get the injury-prone label yet, Pete? Um, no, I mean he really overcame his kind of glass uh, reputation uh, in a couple seasons ago. Um, but you know this concussion thing is getting so much weird attention, deservedly so or whatever. Um, I think you do have to watch it. The, really, the player to watch at this point is Daniel Hernandez, who went on a, titter, a Twitter fit uh, in the midnight hours after the after the tie with Chivas, which got an oddly weird kind of apathetic response from the media here in town, um, uh, and it's been kind of swept under the rug. Uh, he's he's in horrible shape. Hyman uh, reported and told the media that he's been getting injections before every game, and that his knee's already swollen when he's done with pre pregame warmups. So. Um, I think they've got a lot of that stuff going on. Well, it could turn into uh, Hernandez. Um, I think the statement in his tweet was uh, watching out for his health may make himself unavailable for certain games. Well, that and the fact that he didn't feel appreciated anymore and that you know maybe he wasn't the leader he was supposed to be or something very odd like that. So, I just want to thank FC Dallas for making sure that Portland aren't bottom of the West. I think that's very helpful of you because without Dallas, Portland would be nowhere. Well, you need to be glad LA took off the way they did. Yeah. I still don't think they're gonna win the West though. I, I don't think anybody oh, I don't oh. think anybody catches San Jose. Yeah, San Jose is playing too well. But RS, I mean RSL's had a string of losses here lately. Yeah, they've lost three in a row, I think. Two at home. And then they fell two oh at Columbus last night. Yeah. With Chris Birchall playing, I like. I'm glad he's back in the league. I know he played last week as well, but I was disappointed to see him leave LA. Um, and he was knocking about in England for a while, having to sell cars. I think because he, you know, he wasn't getting a playing gig anywhere. Um, he trained with Port Vale, his old club, but of course they were pretty much bankrupt at the time, and they weren't allowed to sign anybody anyway. So I was very pleased when Columbus came in for him. Not because I think he's the best player in the world. Right, speaking. right, I understand. You like Torque too as well, so we don't hold that against you. I like to say Torque correctly, though. Right. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Nobody, nobody still knows who you're talking about. That's all right. Um, um, Pete, are you lighting me up with instant messages? Because I'm just secretly telling you I love you. Uh, I'm not going to read them because if I do, they will, they will show on the broadcast. Right. So you can, uh, I, I have to go. That's all right. I have to go too. This was fun. Can I do it again sometime? You can do whatever you want. Okay. And also, I didn't have and also to you see the setup for our other conversation. Sweet. Okay. All right. Hey, Peter Welton, everybody. Check him out. I've got the news.net at Pete, P-E-E-T, number two. Uh, you're also getting uh, big props for your toy collection in the background. Why, thank you. We'll do a tour of it someday. How about that? I, I, I'm very impressed, and uh, Pinky and the Brain are my favorite. I've got an amazing collection of Tick toys. If you're a fan of the comic book and TV show, The Tick. Oh, here we go. We we will um, you will get your internet fixed so we get a better uh, better uh, connection, and we will you will have your own segment. All right, guys. That's fun. All Peter Welton, everybody. Thank you very much, sir. 
Later, Peter, guys. Love your show. Love your night. Peter's a funny, funny man. So then there were two. What else do we have to talk about? Um, we were going to discuss uh, your trip to uh, to Montreal. We were going to discuss David Beckham's not going to Chicago and uh, the Euros. Look, Which we did. Right, I'm looking at my, my call sheet here. There's nothing... I don't see anything pressing. I'm all, I'm about to catch you in the old uh, the old fantasy league. I'll, oh, I'll are throw you? that out there. I'm only forty points behind you. Um, here's what I will. Am I winning? I'm not winning. Am no, I? you're not. No, you're not winning. Oh, I haven't looked at it for about. No, you're in fifth place. Um, oh, let me do this real fast. Swap at the table still going tonight. If you're watching us live, or if you're going to listen to the podcast before uh, midnight Pacific time tonight. At Swap at the Table, you can tweet a picture of a jersey, give us the size and the brand, use the hashtag Swap at the Table. Um, uh, as you, you know, it works. As you can see, I picked up this uh, Spain jersey from the gentleman in uh, Jacksonville. Uh, he found it at Ross, oddly enough, and I traded him an Arsenal jersey. So there you go. I know some stuff. Uh, I've seen a couple things uh, go back and forth out there. Um, Don't get me started about top of the table. Swap of the table, you mean? That too. Because nobody ever wants to buy talk shirts. I had Michael DeVello saying, post pictures, post pictures, and it took me a few days to get around to it, so I did, and then I had nothing. Insert Kanye West reference here. Um, I do, yeah, Kanye West references are going to go right he, over. He's, the, he's the Kanye West of swap of the table. Anybody that wants, oh, to, he? Anybody that wants to trade, he jumps in. I'm going to let you finish, but... Right. So there you go. Um, let me check. Yeah, I don't see anything necessarily necessarily pressing. All the, the FC Dallas stuff I wanted to uh, talk about with Pete. Um, do, do, and then coming up this week, um, Toronto is, is here in town for July 4th. Uh, what's going on with Portland? Portland plays San Jose Tuesday night. Oof. Yes, at home, um, which I'm not too enthused about because they got hammered yesterday in Colorado, 3-0. Um, I posted on Twitter that they needed to do a versus Seattle Sanders performance rather than their versus everybody else performance. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm not feeling too optimistic about them. It, you kind of hoped after last week's result it would be a springboard because Boyd got on the score sheet and they, they defended pretty well, but... You know, you're kind of back to type again. Um, I'm sure Nick will have some kind of comment to make in the chat room about it, but it's looking pretty... And right on cue, San Jose will kill them, most likely. Yeah. It's looking pretty desperate all around. I mean, I I, I do fear for Portland against San Jose because they can come up and probably score three or four. You know what I think should be scary to the rest of the league about San Jose? Is that as Bingham, their backup goalie, came in and played really well. He was very good. I mean, he was the guy who scored against West Brom last year. Do you remember yes. that? Yeah. Um, but I thought he was very good. And sometimes the depth chart for, for goalkeepers in this league is a bit hit and miss, shall we say. Um, but, you know, I don't know how long Bush would like to be out for. I don't know if he'll have some kind of concussion holiday, you know, to take the, that game off. But you've got to think he's probably not going to play on Tuesday at least. No, yeah, that would be the assumption. He gets Tuesday off and then next week he's a probably TBD. Yeah, so but but Bingham, you know, was pretty. I think he played a couple of games last year, not long after the West Brom game, 
and he was, you know, fairly competent. I mean, you know, I don't know how much the reserve goalkeepers like to be getting paid, but you know, he's, he did a good job. Right. He could well, um, he could play himself into a starting job somewhere else. Yeah, and you've seen that with goalkeepers, you know, in other in other places. You, you know, Ricketts, LA let Ricketts go, and he's been very good at Montreal. A couple of Ricketts moments, but nothing right. too unsurprising. So, I thought Saunders was actually kind of ropey yesterday. I don't know if anybody else felt that, but I thought on a couple of goals, I thought on the uh, the first Lenhart goal, he was partly culpable. Yeah, and and then. The goal that the the goal that ended up being the winner, I thought he didn't make a decision to come on, or he just kind of stood there in no man's land, letting uh, Wondolowski put the the flick past him. Well, so, and that, and that but, also was sort of a uh, I'm going to throw my foot out there, and what can I get on it? Uh, you know, yeah. I, th- I thought I thought AJ uh, I thought AJ didn't have that great of a game. Um, and Mar- Delagaza, no. Yeah. And Mark and I kind of talked about this a little bit last night. Is that he, he he was trusting on Lopes too much, and he shouldn't have been. Well, I think if you're trusting David Lopez to clear things up, that probably explains why you've conceded four goals. Right. Um, although I thought, I mean, I know LA scored three goals yesterday, but I thought King was very ineffective. Um, I thought um, Donovan did one good thing, pretty much. That was it. Beckham did one good thing. That was it. Um, and I don't know. And if you have to bring Chad Barrett on to chase the game, then you know you're not going to. And be. he had one, and he had a sitter. I mean, literally on yeah. the line. Yeah, I mean, Bingham made a good save, and then I can't remember the defender, but you know, kind of cleared it from the near post. So that was good defending all around by San Jose, and they've been very good in defense recently as well. Uh, when they won at um, uh, Colorado uh, last in the middle of last week, they were on the back foot for a lot of that game and some of the heroics that the defence and Bush came up with were very good um, so I mean I know we tend to kind of get hung up on Wondolowski and Lenhart and the rest of them but in defence they're, they're not just defending well they're prepared to throw themselves in front of anything right it's a very it's a very good. blue colour kind of a lunch pail uh, back line yeah. for them yeah I'm, I'm glad they're doing well because you know they're one of the teams that I quite like to watch. If there's a San Jose game on, I'm quite happy to sit down and sit through it. I can't say that for a Houston game or a Columbus game. Yeah, and, and Houston-Philly was on uh, was one of the games last night. Houston winning 2-1. Um, and I have a, a friend in Houston that's kind of been picking up um, over the last year, maybe. He's getting a little bit more and more into soccer. Uh, and he enjoyed the Euros. And he watched the tour, the end of that Philly-Houston game. And he said, I don't know if I can stick around for another for this LA San Jose game, so just trust me, just <laughs> get, just give that game a shot. And by the end of the game, he was like, "That that was that was an awesome game." Yeah, I think if you're expecting Houston games to be exciting, you're asking for a lot. Um, Brian Ching finally scored at their new place, but I thought the penalty he got was, I don't want to say a dive, but it was soft. It's one of those where if it's against your team, you're mad, but if it's for your team, you're saying, "Oh, definitely better," no doubt about it. Um, I just find watching Houston pretty hard work, but I'm glad he stuck around to watch the good game. Right, because it was it was a great game. Whoa, sorry. Um, uh, note from Nick here: Timbers play San Jose, RSL, and Galaxy the next three games. No points there. No. Well, is RSL at home? I don't know because they've been pretty poor recently too. Um, mind you, I don't know if they've been as poor as Portland. 
And actually, you mentioned about uh, uh, Sporting K, Port Sporting KC sliding. They've been pretty poor for a while. And they lost at home to Chicago on Friday night, which was a surprise, although I thought Chicago had been improving for a while. They had a couple of big defeats previously to that. So, you know, at one point, they won seven in a row, and you were thinking, oh, here we go, this is going to be easy for them. I think they then lost the next three games, but after that wobble, they kind of got back on the horse, but again, they've wobbled again. It's, it's, it's strange, because they, when they play well, there aren't many teams who can get near them. And it's odd, you look at like the parity right now, because uh, another mention here from the chat room, Kansas, uh, Kansas City sliding, fires, Chicago's beginning to rise. It's one of those, it's that time of year where it's, it seems to be cyclical, where all of a sudden people are, are, are jockeying and changing and, and teams are finding form. Or Even Toronto are finding form. I think, you know what, and we said this last week when we were here, um, Philly played really well. Uh, after they got rid of Novak. Um, Toronto has been playing exceptionally well since Mariner took over. And I and I think out of the two, Toronto is going to be the one that's going to have the most improvement. Well, because they really have nowhere to go but up. But I think you're going yeah. to see a better style of play from Toronto out of the teams that have made coaching changes. Yeah, I mean, I think the last four games they've drawn three and won one. The one they won was in Montreal where they won 3-0 and they were... So far, the better team. It was incredible. Um, and the other two draws prior to the one yesterday, they were two goals up with 15 minutes to play. Um, they were in New England and considered two goals late on. And um, they were 3-1 up against Houston, I think it was, in Houston. So, you know, their form has been pretty good, even though they've only got six points out of the four games. That's probably what they needed, considering they were 1-10 and when Mariner took over, right? But now with Mariner, you've seen that uh, Frings and Covermans are starting to get uh, are starting to get up top and get points. And, and yeah, and yesterday's goal was a Frings corner straight to Covermans. Frings scored his first goal last week um, in Montreal. So I think those two will you know combine pretty well. Covermans actually, since he came out and moaned about playing for the worst team in the world, he's been playing really well. And that was, and I think he's that was six or seven awesome, goals, by the way. It was. He was so upset, wasn't he? And they've got, and they've got him paired up top with Ryan Johnson, who I've been a big fan of since he was in San Jose. Yeah, he scored an excellent goal against Montreal during the week, and and they do seem to to um, combine pretty well because Kuvmans isn't the most mobile of guys. Right. We'll put that generously. And whereas John, um, Ryan Johnson, jo- Ryan Johnson, I forgot his name. Yep. Is is pretty quick, and he's quick, quite good with the left foot as well. The goal he scored against Montreal. He picked it up just inside the area and shoveled it to his left foot, and bam! It was straight past the goalkeeper. So, you know, I, I think if I'm a Toronto fan, I'm I'm feeling fairly optimistic at the moment. I don't think they made the playoffs, but they're not going to embarrass themselves every week as they were. No, they, yeah, they're not going to be where they were. I think that I yeah. think those days are behind them. Yeah, the East is is pretty tight, but I still can't see them making the top five. Um, you know, I think the top five is going to be. You know, DC and New York are up there. Casey will probably hang around. Chicago keep improving. New England aren't a bunch of mugs, so it's it's, it's pretty competitive in there. And that's and that's a good thing to have. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we complain about the idea of parity uh, in MLS, but if it was just two teams, twenty points clear of everybody else, then we'd be complaining about that too. So. <laughs> um, oh, Hank is surfing today, by the way. 
I don't know why anyone would want to surf. Hank, Hank is surfing. Uh, Sarah had a, a coaching uh, coaching thing she had to handle at, at, from 6 to 8 tonight. Uh, and Mark had to travel up to the high desert area in uh, California to handle some personal issues. Um, uh, Mark is wanting to get um, the PR director for the San Antonio Scorpions uh, on. I think we're going to try to have on next week. I want to confirm this with Mark. Um, to discuss the guy that owns the Scorpions owns a place called Morgan's Wonderland. And it is a special needs um, uh, theme park. Not When I, when I use the phrase theme park, it's, it's not like roller coasters, but it is um, like, when you would go to, like when you go to a normal playground that you don't really see, it's been supersized, it's been converted for uh, kids with special needs, kids in wheelchairs. Stuff like oh, that, and they've actually made Morgan's Wonderland their their hero, the for their kits this year. Right. So we want to get on and discuss and discuss that. Uh, also, while we're discussing hero kits, uh, FC Dallas, and I wanted to get Pete on this before he left. FC Dallas announcing Advocare as their hero sponsor for a three and a half year deal, a multi million dollar deal. And uh, I'm going to say I like it. I think anytime you can get uh, somebody's name on the front of your shirt. Um, that legitimizes your club a little bit better. I understand the way that the business is set up, um, but FC Dallas made it clear that they wanted a Texas-based, North specifically North Texas-based um, partner for their for the shirts. Just from a cosmetic cosmetic issue, it's a blue and white logo. Works with the red shirt. Works with the blue shirt. Uh, it's not um, overbearing or Crazy, um, and they will be available July the, tw- the they will be on the shirts for July twenty eighth. Ironically, against the Herbalife sponsored LA Galaxy. They're a similar kind of business model, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd never heard of Advocare until I had to Google it the other day. Um, but I don't think it really matters necessarily who is sponsoring the team, unless it's Napalm Incorporated or whatever. Right. Um, I thought they were most in LLC, people. But- Oh, well, you would think so. You think you would want limited viability. In that yeah, case. you don't want to get sued, right. do you? Well, you'd burn my eyebrows off. Um, yeah, yeah, want one. Anyway, yeah, I think it's good that they got a sponsor, not necessarily for the money. Like you said, it does legitimize them as a, as a sports organization, especially as a soccer team. I mean, it's interesting that you don't have on-shirt sponsorship for basketball or baseball or football, American football, although I think it will happen in basketball fairly soon. Um, well, how many teams are there without a sponsor now? It's just KC and San Jose now, right? Uh, no, Colorado. Oh, in Colorado. And the irony is that San Jose was sponsored by Amway up until, yeah. uh, until last season. Yeah, and you've got Herbalife in LA, and you've got Zango, Zango in Real Salt exactly. Lake, which I believe is a similar kind of uh, model. I wasn't sure. I think I posted it. I think Zango, I think Zango is like a, 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 a drink-based. Um, oh, really? I think so. I, I, right. Please don't hold me to that, but. No, because I know they're very. I know Herbalife are very keen to not be called a pyramid scheme, right? But that's essentially what they are. It's uh, we were we were hip to the fact that Advocare has two hundred thousand individual uh, contractors. Yeah, but how many of those are actually making any money? I mean, I think it's the same. Yeah, you know, the thing with with um, pyramid schemes generally, I th- and I include Herbalife in this, is that you could have so many thousands of people who are resellers or, or whatever the term is, but maybe only 10% of them are actually making money. Right. 
But that being said, no one handcuffs you to a desk and says, sign here. But I think at, this, uh, but I think at the same time, from a marketing standpoint, that's 200,000 people uh, that, with their product, can say, we sponsor FC Dallas. I mean, I can understand um, some of the thought process to go there, but um, from a, an organization standpoint, this, this uh, sponsorship runs all the way down through the academy level. Yeah, and that's important. I mean, I think you want to have a, a a partner, which is a word I hate to use in these kind of contexts, but a partner on board who's going to support you all the way down, not just the team that gets on the TV the most. Right. Um, I think MLS has been very good at, at getting sponsors to to kind of match what they're trying to achieve. I mean, I know New York is a bad example because of the Red Bull thing, but most of the team, you know, even with New England getting United Healthcare. Um, I think just before the season started or just after, that's a pretty good, pretty good name to have. You know, United Healthcare is based up in the Northeast, I believe. Anyway, um, I think they were mid-season last year. I think. Oh, was it mid-season think, last year? I think uh, Columbus picked up Barbasol. Uh, Barbasol in the in the yeah. in the break uh, preseason this year. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think you're going to see the ridiculous amount of money being offered for sponsorship just yet. You know, that you get in Europe for Manchester United and these multinational corporations doing it. You're not going to get Coke on the front of Chivas or... Mind you, I guess you have Corona, don't you? Do you have, is it Corona at the moment down there? Uh, yes. Um, no, it's probably a bad example to use then. Um, but they, they don't need to make fortunes out of it because a lot of it is that the business model in Europe is that if you, you, know, you have all this money for sponsorship, then you can use that to pay players. Right. Well, that doesn't really matter here because of the salary cap. So I don't think it's it's too much of a of a hindrance not having or a financial hindrance not having a sponsor. It just is the legitimization of, of the organization. Right, and I was going to say that's that's the odd dichotomy of it is the fact that Advocare shows. And somebody asked this question in the press conference. Well, now that Advocare is your sponsor, how's that going to affect your player acquisition? And Doug Quinn's response was, "It doesn't. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change our focus. It doesn't change our plan. It doesn't." free us up to get anybody. Yeah. I mean, I suppose in theory they could possibly look at using that towards a designated player, but I don't think that's likely for Dallas no. at all. No, da- um, Dallas wants Dallas wants Dallas wants at least six player six homegrown talent. I mean they want that's the goal. Is it at least six of their players are uh you know from their academy homegrown Right yeah, system. and that's that's you know it, it works out a lot cheaper to do that. Even if you have, you know, you could have a hundred guys going through the academy before you get those six. Right. So it's not like you've just paid for six guys to come up and be on your team. So it is a pretty intensive, both in labour and you know, it does cost financially. But you're not going to have to pay out the transfer fees. You're not going to pay the big wages to begin with. So I think it makes sense. Plus, there's the whole community building thing. I mean, you want people to come to your game because. They went to high school with the goalkeeper, or because they, you know, that they, they used to. Or they work still with, go to high school with the goalkeeper. Or they still go to good right. night, yeah. Um, and that's what I think. You know, it's the same thing in in the lower leagues in England as much. You know, you kind of see teams drifting away from their local communities, and it becomes a poor thing for it. Um, I know Chivas said they were going to go with Southern Californian players, although I don't know what happened to that because it seems to have been quietly shoved aside. But still, I think everyone likes to have a local player or two in their team, which is probably why Portland were convinced to go for Danny Mwanga from Philadelphia in the trade with Palazzo, even though 
neither of those have really worked out so far. At least you can say, hey, this guy's from the area. Right. And people want to have that link to the team. Well, uh, right now they need they need a couple messies in the area here. Oof, it's wow, it's tough. And we talked about this early early in the season, uh, you know, after the first five or six games. Um, what was each each of as our hosts? Uh, what could we tell fans of our respective teams? And I, mine was trust Shellis. Um, and you look at it now, and it's just like, what can I say? Is pray to God the angel of death doesn't show up. Because that's, it's just been one, like Pete was saying, one legitimate injury after another. It's not a physio, it's not a physio issue, it's not anything else other than just straight, legit injuries. Yeah, I mean, they have been, I mean, how many times has Ferreira come back now? Hasn't he had like three or four comebacks that have ended up with another injury? Well, he came back, uh, he, with the uh, broken ankle last season, came back in the preseason at the, uh, the Disney tournament in Orlando. Uh, and it's the right Mickey Mouse Cup, though, isn't it? Yeah, which means Red Bull should have won it. Um, and that uh, he ended up having surgery on the other leg. I was the other. I actually didn't realize it was the other leg. I, I thought he'd relapsed with the same issue, or you know, it wasn't quite healed yet. Well, there were some conspiracy theories I I had heard, but I I can't. I don't know for sure, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, give legitimacy to hearsay or. Right. Just guessing on what happened. What kind of football fan are you? I'm the kind of moron <laughs> that buys a microphone and says, I've got my own podcast. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> when in essence, it's really just a beard for me to ask stupid questions on video. That's fine. That's good enough. So now that I've exposed that, uh, you got anything you want to say? I know you're, I'm sure you're stoked for Fourth of July, right? Rebellion Day, yes. I'm going to get dressed up in my red coat and march around town telling people to give me back taxes for the tea. And be immediately punched in the face. The British are coming. No, I'm just standing in front of <laughs> My eyes are not even glassy. Uh, now we have to make this explicit. That's all I got. Uh, I'll do the plugs real quick and I'll let you get out of here. Uh, thank you, everybody, that uh, has joined us live on uh, here tonight at geekweek.com. Thanks to Jeff Katz and those guys for giving us the time and the space. You can follow me on Twitter at Tweeter underscore Dumb. You can follow Sarah at Holbird. Mark at SC underscore Beaner Lights. That's B-E-A-N-E-R-L-I-T-E-S. You can ask him what it means. Hank at Hisco5, also at TMR Podcast and the MidnightRide.us. That's his uh, New England Revolution podcast. You can check Chris at Chris J. Ballard, also at ATLCSRN on Twitter, and then csrnusa.com for Around the League. You can catch the show at Top of the Table TV, and you can also catch this show uh, and also anything, any of our back shows, any of the lightning rounds, topofthetable.tv on the web. Mr. Ballard, you're a good man. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. We will do it again next week. Okay. Awesome, guys. Thanks for joining us in the chat room, and we will see you next week on Top of the Table. Good night.